Welcome to the latest episode of Your Wealth with Gemma Dale, a podcast series designed to help you create, grow and protect your wealth. Hi and welcome to this episode of Your Wealth. I'm Gemma Dale, NABTRADE's Director of SMSF and Investor Behaviour. One of the incredibly big trends of the last two years is the rise of the retail investor and I spend a lot of my time talking about it. Most specifically, the rise of the retail trader. And the vast majority of people who've made their first investments over the last two years appear to be investors, certainly based on the data we have at NAB Trade. But there's also been a huge rise in people actively trading stocks for the very first time. So what does it take to do it successfully? Today, I'm joined by Chris Conway from Marcus Today, who's taken training in both fundamental and technical analysis really seriously and has a law degree just for fun. Chris, thanks so much for joining me. Hi, Gemma. Thanks for that uh, generous introduction and for having me. Uh, I, I too have certainly noticed that rise of the retail trader that you were just talking about. And I must admit, my worry uh, is that uh, some and perhaps even a lot of these new traders perhaps don't quite understand risk just yet or how to manage it. Uh, so let's face it, markets have gone up sharply since the March 2020 lows. And that is the period that you were just talking about where a lot of new people have come to the market and, and done their first trade, as you were saying. But there hasn't been a lot of pullbacks along the way. And most of the pullbacks have been met with that buy the dip mentality. Uh, and a lot of new traders have made uh, substantial money, which is fantastic. I would say well done to them. Uh, but I think now their job is about keeping that money and not giving it back to the market. Uh, and my worry is that there might be a bit of a reckoning coming for those that don't respect risks in the market, particularly given what is likely going to be a volatile year we have ahead, obviously with uh, interest rates on the rise and, and, and volatility likely to flow from that. Uh, and for anyone out there who thinks I'm being a Grinch or begrudging people who have done really well, not at all, absolutely not at all. This is just from experience. The first trade that I ever took uh, I turned $5,000, all the money had, that I had at the time, uh, $5,000 into $20,000. And looking back, it was probably the worst thing that could have happened. That's such a great introduction. And I, you've got to tell me this story, right? So I agree with you a million percent. And we talked before we started recording. We both started in this game a long time ago. I started straight after the tech wreck and saw a lot of tragic broken people around me there was a real wreck you know people feeling very sorry for themselves and there was no risk of believing you were a genius after the tech wreck there was no risk of being unaware of what could happen if the market turned against you everyone got some nasty lessons then we had the gfc as well tell me when did you start investing what made you want to get started yeah so i started Gemma, in uh, early 2007 and uh, the GFC hit in mid-2007. So there's a bit of context there. We re must remember that it was the end of a long rally uh, into early 2007. And like you were just talking about, there was a lot of people out there that thought they were quite intelligent, uh, geniuses, if you will, as you say, uh, and that they could never get it wrong. And then six months later, uh, we went through a period of, you know, one of the worst markets that, uh, well, our generation has ever seen, or if not the worst uh, so, yeah, like I said, that, that first winning trade that I took uh, that made me that money, the reason why I say it's possibly the worst thing that could have happened is because I was overconfident. I thought, oh, this game's easy. Look what I've just done. I'm a 25-year-old kid. I've had this great win. You know, this is just going to be I'm just, this is all going to be gravy and I'll make a, a plenty of money. Uh, obviously, that wasn't the case and I, <laughs> I gave all of that money back and then some and learned a, learned a lot of lessons along the way. But 
but that was that that first experience. But just pivoting back to that question uh, that you asked, what got me into markets? I must say, uh, my father was the first person to start talking to me about markets when I was about sixteen. Uh, he had all the big stuff, so BHP, Commonwealth Bank, Telstra. But he first piqued my in, uh, interest in stocks. Uh, but it wasn't until I started working in the industry, as I was just talking about in early 2007, that was when I made that first trade. So I'd always paid attention to my super, the fund performance and risk settings because I started working when I was 16 and, you know, I was always aware of money thanks to my dad. But that first trade that I took, the one that I was just talking about, was when I was 25. So I uh, spent quite some time at uni. I did a, a double degree. So I did law and economics, and that took me uh, – should have taken me five, took me six years. The first year was a bit of a rough one, so it took me six years. So I wasn't out of uni till about 23. I did have another job at News Corp and then started in markets at 25. Um, so, yeah, that was when I first uh, did my first trade. But the, the interest started much earlier from my dad. <laughs> Oh, that's really interesting. My dad was also the person who got me interested and he got interested because of his dad. Um, There'll be more moms helping people get interested as well. But my dad, I think the thing that helped me a lot was he didn't know anything when I was old enough to understand. So I was in my teens and he started learning about investing and was reading a lot and that kind of thing. And seeing someone, my father's a professor, he's a smart guy, seeing him recognize that it was a skill to learn and that you needed to understand and research a lot before you got started. I think it was really helpful. Like I didn't just dive in. You were 25. You had a lot of qualifications. You've got a lot of skills and you've done a lot of learning, I guess, by the time you get started, you've seen your father doing it. What made you focus on investing as a career? Well, I sort of fell into it, Gemma. I must admit that uh, when I was 15, I thought oh, I will be a lawyer. I absolutely will be a lawyer. And then uh, I studied the law <laughs> and realised that it probably wasn't quite as exciting as I as I thought it would be. So uh, half of it was fun and exciting and the other half of it was like pulling teeth, I must admit. It was dry and it was dull uh, and I decided that, you know, it just wasn't for me. So the wheels of law turn very slowly. They're, it's often said that the law lags reality quite significantly and, and is slow to change. Markets, as we well know, uh, are completely the opposite. They're dynamic. There's energy. There's something new happening every day. doesn't mean you always have to be trading or actively involved every day, but there's new stimulus every day. It is quite an intellectual pursuit as well, I think. And so, you know, that's sort of what got me into it and interested in it and as I moved away from law. But I must say, having done the law degree, there was lots of things that it taught me that have been incredibly valuable with my trading and investing as well. So three things, just to name them, analytical process, uh, be aware of it. Uh, You must always respect the rules and and what came before. And the weight of evidence principle has helped me immensely. So just breaking them down a little bit, in terms of doing your research, I would say don't think you can fluff your way through things like you were just talking about uh, with your dad showing you that it was worth learning about and worth putting the time and energy and effort into. Uh, That's very important. Uh, Following the rules, a a lot of intelligent people have come before you and paved the way. You know, there's a lot of great investment strategies out there. You don't necessarily need to reinvent the wheel and nor should you try, I think. You can certainly evolve things that you learn and and take them on board and make them your own. But that needs to be shown, I think, the right amount of respect and doing a law degree taught me that. And finally, 
have more evidence than less if you're going to make an important decision. You know, I think that's a pretty good rule for life, a pretty good rule for law, of course, uh, and a pretty good rule for the markets. Uh, so I think they're all relevant and they're all fantastic rules for investing. So uh, whilst I didn't practice law, obviously, I think there's some really good principles that translate directly into being a good trader or a good investor. Oh, that's super interesting. One of my degrees was in economics and I would say it was the opposite of helpful for markets. Who <laughs> finally worked out that the market and the economy are totally different things. Um, so through this process, you have been studying. You've obviously put a bit of money aside during your study or in your first couple of years of working. You've gotten into the market for the first time. You take an absolute beating because you come to market at quite possibly the worst time, apart from maybe, you know, 1999, that wouldn't have been a great time to join either. Have you always been inclined to trade or would you describe yourself as an investor that early, that early win? Was it intended to be a long-term hold or were you getting in there for a big win? I must admit, General, I'll say this openly and honestly, I didn't know why I was getting into it or even probably what I was buying. I think it came as a tip from one of the one of the other people within the business that I was working at with uh, working for at the time. So how it all evolved, I, I w- wouldn't say that I've always been inclined to be a trader. Me becoming a trader was more a matter of of circumstance. So again, as I was just saying, came to came to the market in in early January. 2007 or you know when I first started working in markets caught that tail end of the rally and then head first into the GFC so I wasn't far removed from uni I had all the theory and no practical experience the financial world was in turmoil and I honestly didn't know which way was up so I was really looking for answers and I was looking to get my bearings and I was looking to do that all pretty quickly because time was of the essence obviously uh, to steal a line from Star Wars, I needed someone to show me my place in, in all of this. Uh, and uh, lo and behold, along comes uh, a person who's become a mentor and now a friend of mine, Stuart McPhee. Uh, he might be known to some of the listeners out there, but he wrote a book called Trading in a Nutshell. It's now on its fourth edition. Generally, books don't get to a fourth edition unless they uh, have some merit. So um, he was a consultant for the business that I worked for at the time, and he would come in every now and then you know, probably once a month uh, to coach the research team on technical analysis. Uh, and so I didn't have the time to learn traditional valuation models, you know, discounted cash flows and some of the parts. I didn't have the time to do that because the world was falling apart or so we thought. So I needed some answers straight away. Uh, and his technical knowledge and also his sense of calm, that was the thing that really stood out to me, uh, his sense of calm because he had a plan. He had his technical indicators telling him what he should do in the market. And that's what really resonated with me and and really drew me towards trading. So he showed us, not told us, he showed us that he was out of the market quite early on in the GFC. So wouldn't go so far as to say that he predicted it, but he reacted quite quickly and avoided most of the major carnage because he was following the technical system that his system that he had built generated for him. And so him showing me that in real time was incredibly powerful and showed me that it was something that could work. You know, I've heard technical analysis called be, be called the dark arts and tea leaf reading. And, you know, there's a joke out there, why do technical analysts exist? It's to make weather forecasters look good. So um, you could say whatever you like about technical analysis, but that was the entry point for me of seeing someone actually use it during an incredibly intense period in the market uh, and use it to really good effect. So, like I said, that was a circumstantial thing. Now, however, 
uh, whilst I do talk a lot about trading and, you know, I still love it and still am, uh, you know, really involved in technical analysis and apply it with my trading, uh, I also wear the other hat. So uh, my other role here at Marcus Today is I'm the a lead fund manager for the Marcus Today SMA. And we don't use any technical analysis in that side of the business. So that's all macro forecasting, sector analysis, and factor modeling to drive investment decisions. So I think now I like to marry both, but that was my entry into, into markets, why I got pushed towards or gravitated towards trading. And I think it was a really good learning curve, held me in good stead. That's such a fascinating story. If, if I look at it, it sounds like you found an awesome mentor at just the right time which may not be something everyone's fortunate enough to find. But then I think in this day and age, compared to 2007, when it was quite difficult perhaps to get access to someone like Stuart, now you can go on Twitter, you can go on Ausbiz, you can go on 10,000 different types of media and find highly qualified, you know, really insightful people giving incredibly helpful information and advice without needing to know them personally and use that as a guide to set yourself up. I don't know if that would have been as helpful as your personal experience, but I wonder for many people that may be a great place to start if you're you're feeling you've been dumped by the wave of the market. Very few people have been dumped yet, but it will happen. So you you met Stuart, you start doing the research, you're deep in a a fairly dark time of the market because it was, for those who were not around, and I know many people listening were there during that period and many weren't, it went on for a really long time. The hardest part about the GFC was it didn't end. It just kept going and going and going. You keep thinking that this has to be the bottom and then you find there's another 20% to go. And I think that was what shocked a lot of people. So you had a long time to build your skills up. Did you get out of the market or did you stay in and, and work on your skills? Uh, no, I was forced out of the market, Gemma, because uh, my money that I had built up dwindled. dwindled. So uh, as they say, the number one rule of trading and or investing is to protect your capital. And my capital levels depleted to the point where I wasn't at zero. I wasn't completely out of the game, but I wasn't willing to put that money at risk anymore. So I took myself out of the market, but that was the moment that I decided, well, I'm not going to let this happen again. I know, I know there's something here. I've had Stuart show me. I know I need to do a lot more research and analysis and figure this thing out. So I'm going to plow into that. And that's really what I did. And and you're right. uh, I was very lucky to have a mentor. I've always had uh, fantastic mentors, even working here at Marcus today, obviously with Marcus Padley and Henry Jennings. uh, You know, I've always been very lucky to have those people. But the other side of that is, is without sounding conceited, I've always been very driven to figure out the answers as well. Uh, and be willing to put in the time. So whether or not I had a mentor, I think I still would have gone down the process of diving into a lot of books. You know, you have to do a lot of reading if you want to be a trader or an investor with some success and formal learning as well. You know, obviously they're they're the two things that I, I would have done regardless of whether I had good mentors or otherwise. So yeah, in answer to your specific answer to your question, I, I took my, I forced myself out of the market, and then I spent that time really upskilling uh, and getting up to speed. And that's sort of what I was talking about at the top. Is you know, again, those people that have made really good money in the last couple of years, following the bounce out of the COVID pandemic, and if you're sitting on really good profits, you know, do yourself a favor and don't give that money back to the market. You know, you know, sit on that money maybe for a while and upskill. And then, you know, uh, whatever conditions come your way afterwards, you'll be well, well placed to, to navigate them. That's awesome advice. One piece 
you're right. You you found a great mentor at the right time. You would have gone and done your research, but I one I think one thing that's a real challenge for people is finding the right mentor. I'm sure you would say, uh, and many do. You know, there's a lot of people out there selling you ways of making money, and some of them are excellent, and some of them are not so excellent. What sort of training would you recommend for those who are starting out and trying to build up their skills? Yeah, so my, my formal training, Gemma, was through, I think, then Finzio. I think it's changed to Kaplan now. And uh, I did a graduate diploma in applied finance as well. But within that uh, diploma, there was two technical analysis courses that I did. So one was introduction to technical analysis and the second one was specialised techniques in technical analysis. Now, I think still, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think anyone who wanted to go and take these courses individually, you know, you don't have to do a diploma or a grad dip or even the master's. You can just, I think, do these two units. They run maybe about $2,000 each. Again, that that was when I did it quite some time ago now. Um, But money well spent. You know, investing back into yourself, I think, is is a great thing to do. Uh, It's something I spent a lot of time doing. Uh, That is the formal side of it. The other side of it, as I was saying before, Got to read a lot of books. I I don't know a better way to do it. Uh, There is, of course, these days a lot of YouTube videos and, as you say, uh, things like Ausbiz and even podcasts like we're doing now, fantastic content that people can access and they can learn a lot from. The only thing I would say to that is if you listen to too many voices, you can get confused. Um, That is the other side of it. Whilst there is a lot of great content out there, And it's not so much that any of the content is bad or that it has a a agenda like you were just talking about, people trying to sell things. It's that if you do listen to too many voices, you you might get confused. The way to avoid that, I would have thought, is to just think a little bit critically about what you want to achieve and what you want to do in the market. And once you figure that out, uh, you know, if, if you want to be a day trader, for example, and you want to be in and out and sitting in front of the screens all day, or you want to be someone perhaps more like myself who... You know, with my trading, I maybe trade four times a month uh, and my trades last from weeks to months. You know, that doesn't require me sitting in front of the screens all day. So if you figure out those basics, then you should be able to find someone within those those streams that you can connect yourself to. Outside of that, uh, sorry, uh, uh, with in terms of the books, uh, I could give the listeners now five books if they wanted to get started. Um, uh, Stuart's book, of course. Uh, there's a book called Tools and Tactics of the Master Day Trader. It's a bit of a corny title, but there's some great techniques in there. Any one of the Market Wizards books, there's been a few. There's the US version, the Australian version. That's where a lot of great traders answer questions and gives insights into their strategies. Uh, there's a book called The Encyclopedia of Technical Analysis. Obviously, that is the holy grail of all strategies that are out there. Uh, and Stan Weinstein's Secrets for Profiting in Bull and Bear Markets. Again, a bit of a corny title, but there is some great content in there. Uh, I would think if you read those five books, if you're a beginner and you read those five books, that would set you well on the way to uh, answering those questions that I was just talking about, understanding who you want to be in the market and then, you know, having some actual strategies that you might be able to take and implement. That is incredibly helpful. And I'll be super interested. I would actually love to hear from you if you have either read those or have will sit down and read them all. Often it's a real, it's a real commitment to sit down and read five dense, complex books on a particular subject. And from what I can gather, the uh, the differences between those who do and those who don't, right, uh, certainly areas I've specialised in in the past, having gone through and read everything in a great deal of detail, you know, sometimes when you're sitting in a room, you can tell the people who've done the reading and the ones who haven't. It's, uh, it's really interesting. Did you ever go full-time with your trading? 
Uh, full time is an interesting an interesting term for me when it comes to trading, Gemma. The only the only thing I could think of, you know, in visualizing my mind of someone being a full time trader is someone who, as I was saying before, is a day trader and literally needs to be attached to the screens every single day. And there are certainly people out there that do that, and I know a few people that do it quite successfully. That's a little <laughs> that's a little bit too high stress and high strung for me. Um, you know, even within the stocks that I end up buying as trades, I, I like them to work really, really hard to show me that they're worthwhile opportunities. But then I like to, uh, I like it to be very easy for them. I like it to be, you know, clean sailing sort of thing or clear sailing, I should say. Uh, and it's the same with me with my trading. I'm happy to work very, very hard to uh, have the skills and uh, then identify those opportunities. But once the trades go live. I don't want to have to be in front of the screen every day. Now, of course I am because I work at Marcus Day and I, I do love markets and I'm I'm genuinely interested in it otherwise, but I'm not watching my trades all day. Uh, you know, again, I've probably got five open positions at the moment in my personal trading. Uh, I, I looked at them yesterday. I haven't looked at them uh, today. Uh, I might look at them this afternoon uh, just to make sure nothing's gone haywire. But then again, I've got alerts set anyway. So if you structure your trading right, you don't have to be, uh, plugged into it all the time. So again, in direct answer to your question, no, I never went full time with it, but that wasn't something that I wanted to do. But then again, as I said at the top, there's people out there that uh, are in front of the screens all day and, and can do very well as well. But uh, yeah, that that sort of never appealed to me. I was happy to do the early work and then and then you know sort of peel back from it. The reason I ask is a lot of there seems to be a lot of attention on this idea of becoming a full time trader, and as you say that mostly means day trader for people, which is a really different kind of commitment to doing it. Uh, as you say, where you're looking maybe once a day, just checking everything's on track and so on. Uh, one thing I hear regularly is, you know, trading's fantastic. If you're going to go full time or you're going to make it your primary source of income, it's quite a lonely pursuit. And a lot of people really underestimate the impact of that on their sanity. It seems to be a bigger phenomenon in the US, but it's it's certainly here as well where people chucked in their day jobs for one reason or another over the last two years, got into day trading, but then found, you know, they're at home in front of a computer all day and maybe it wasn't great, uh, great for their mental health. Do you have any tips for communities or forums that are helpful for people who want to learn from others? They just want to make some connections. As you say, you work for Marcus Today, you're surrounded by people who are energised by markets. And if you're going to do this, being around people who love it and enjoy it can be really helpful. Yeah, I do have a couple of suggestions, uh, Gemma. A shameless plug alert. We have a, a stock discussion group at Marcus today where a lot of our members and, and some non-members as well, they're regularly posting charts and setups and talking about markets. Uh, we do that via Facebook and people are welcome to join and jump in and check it out. So like I said, shameless plug, forgive me. Uh, but the other one that I've found really useful in the past is the ATAA. That's the Australian Technical Analysts Association. Uh, it's a great way to meet like-minded people. They hold monthly meetings. Uh, Stuart has presented there. I've presented a couple of times in the past uh, and it's fantastic. You used to be able to sit in an auditorium, of course. Um, now I think uh, a lot of the meetings are done online, but you can build a community there and you can build connections and you can, like I say, meet like-minded people and and have those connections. You know, they are very important. You, you are 100% correct. It is. It can be a very solitary pursuit, trading and 
within that, because it's such a high stakes game, you know, outside of family, I would say money's the thing probably that people will get most stressed about. And so it can be highly emotive and it can be highly stressful and the market can do things that you don't want it to do. And your trades can also do things that you don't want them to do. And that can play on you. If you don't have a sounding board or someone to talk uh, things through with, uh, that can escalate quite quickly. So I think certainly the mental health is, is incredibly important. And I would encourage anyone that's, you know, sitting in front of the screens a lot uh, to try and build those connections. Uh, it's incredibly important. Yeah, it's such a good point. The ability to keep your emotions under control and remember what you're doing and why you're doing it and take a longer-term view is the difference between success and failure a lot of the time. But because it's such an emotional issue, money, for so many people, it's easier said than done sometimes. A couple of things. One, I should say for those who are customers of NABTRADE, even if you're not, actually, uh, we have an educational portal called the Academy where we have a full technical analysis module. It is the kind of course you would pay thousands of dollars to get access to were you to do it through a private provider, which is where it came from initially. You will hear my voice for many hours. I'm sorry about that, but you could just read the transcripts if you'd prefer. Um, But you can do that if you've never done anything before. And I'll also say that because charting's do you, do you prefer technical analysis or charting? Or can I use both? Either or. Either or. Either or. It's such a visual medium. We are planning to host a webinar with Chris shortly where he's going to actually show you rather than talk about some of his techniques because, frankly, you really need to look at this stuff. It's quite hard to visualise for those of us uh, who are more visual people. But in the meantime, can you share particular strategies, Chris, that you found really work best for you as a trader? Absolutely, Gemma. So uh, again, without the visual cues, it it is a little bit difficult, but I can certainly talk about the basic premise that governs my trading. And I am what is known as a a trend trader. So at its core, the premise for me is to find a great trend and then to minimize the probability that that trend will be derailed by a technical event, a market event, or even a stock-specific event. Um, so as well as the technicals, there's some fundamental checklist, if you will, that I would go through as well before making an entry decision. But basically at its core, as I say, a, a trend trader. Uh, so I use technical analysis to identify those trends. And the way that I do that primarily is using a multiple moving average system. And this, in fact, is something that Stuart taught me, and it is it is absolutely what I will teach people and show them the template. Uh, in that uh, webinar that we uh, end up doing together. So I'm happy to share this with uh, the audience. So um, there's a little plug for tuning into the into the webinar. Uh, but the whole premise, again, is to find those opportune times to join the trend and then really manage how I behave and respond once I'm in those trades. And the way that I do that is, is just to have a trading plan. And if anyone out there is listening, if there was one piece of advice that I could give that I think will elevate you above a lot of other people, whether it be a trading discipline or an investing discipline, is to have a plan for the way that you engage with the market. You know, that is by far the most important thing that within this uh, podcast I could share with the listeners. I've said this before, I certainly hope it doesn't offend anyone, but any dummy can buy stocks. Those people that make money consistently and over the long term are those that know how to manage their risk effectively. And the only way that you can do that is with a plan. So if you can master that, if you can master your risk management, really, I think you've gone a long way to mastering trading in general. 
Um, you know, at the start, everyone thinks it's about, well, what stock should I buy and what's hot and what's trending and what theme is in play at the moment. If you don't know how to manage profits when they're there or you don't know how to manage, more importantly, losses when you're presented with them and you will be presented with them, then uh, you can derail yourself very quickly. Really good example is, um, you know, again, pivoting back to that that first trade that I had and thinking that I was that I was uh, far better than I was and then, you know, not having the ability to manage that risk and understand that the market will take just as uh, quickly as it gives. So um, don't want to get too uh, philosophical there, but that is uh, that is the nuggets that I can give in, in this podcast. There's a saying that you never go broke taking profits and I find it fascinating. There's a bit of a... Uh a trend to diminish the wisdom in that saying at the moment, which is kind of, it's what people say when, <laughs> when they sold too early, which is kind of funny as well. But um, there's a lot of people who have perhaps not locked in profits yet. And there might be an opportunity to do that for many people at the moment while you can. So perhaps the most obvious question that investors in particular will want to know, but traders as well, do you look at the fundamentals when you pick a stock or are you just looking at the trend? And I asked this, I'm sure people have seen it, but there was a very funny video of a quite famous trader who was asked what a particular business in the US did. I think it was Upstart Holdings. And I can tell you what Upstart Holdings does. But it was a very trend-driven stock and he couldn't answer the question. And that clip has been replayed uh, many, many times subsequently. And as many people pointed out, he should have just said, I'm just trading it on the trend. I don't care what it does. <laughs> What's your view on that? Yeah, so my, my view has evolved over time. So Stuart is uh, similar to the, the person that you are just telling the story of in the US, though he would openly say, I don't care what the company does. And I have absolutely traded companies in the past where I don't know what they do. Uh, and he's, he's ha- happy to admit that. I... The starting point for me with my trading is always technical analysis. So just to put the listeners in the in the picture, every morning I'll come into work and I have a piece of software that scans the market with the uh, strategies that I like to employ. And again, the strategy that I'll, I'll talk through in the podcast. So I click a button and it spits out a list of, you know, some mornings it might be two stocks, sometimes some mornings it might be 25 stocks. Obviously in a trending market, will get more trending stocks. And that's generally when the list will be the list will be bigger. But that is the starting point for me every morning. So whatever the number is, let's call it 10 for the sake of the example, there's 10 opportunities that I then need to go and review further. So out of those 10, there might be five average charts, two that look a bit interesting, but I'm not really, I'm not really, you know, sold by interesting. And let's say there's three that look fantastic. They meet all my technical criteria. And then from there, that's when I'll look at at the fundamentals. So absolutely, I'm looking at, you know, sales revenue. I'm looking at growth. I'm looking at PEs. I'm looking at all those traditional metrics and, you know, not diving into it in any great detail, but I'm really making sure that there's no red herrings there. I'm making sure that there's no events on the calendar that could derail the trade, as I was saying earlier. So, you know, if there's an investor day coming up or they're about to drop results, well, generally I'll stay away from it because, you know, you can't trade around results effectively, I don't believe. You know, we've seen through reporting season the last couple of times that stocks can be up or down 20 or 30% in a day. So as a trend trader, that's that's sort of a no-no for me. 
Uh, and then I'll also look at broker information as well. So, you know, one thing I've learned over the years is that a, a stock can look fantastic and the trend can be great. But if the street is saying that it's it's overcooked and that it's gone way past its valuation, well, then potentially you are swimming against the tide a little bit if you're going to dive into it. Of course, there's exceptions to the rule. You know, everyone undervalued Afterpay and that thing just kept on going and going. It seemed like forever. Um, but you're playing the probabilities. Uh, all of these inputs are about playing the probabilities. Uh, so absolutely, Gemma, you know, I, I will look at fundamental drivers as well. But the starting point for me with my trading is always technical analysis um, because that helps me whittle that list of, I think it's 2,200 stocks on the ASX down to the handful handful of opportunities in any given day that I might need to investigate further. And there are plenty of days, don't get me wrong, where nothing comes up. Uh, there's nothing worth trading. You know, as I said before, I trade on average about four times a month, uh, so slightly less than, than once a week. I think last year I did bang on 50 trades. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't say that's a lot. I wouldn't say that's that's a great amount of activity. So I'm really looking for quality over quantity. Um, again, as I was saying, I want my stocks to work really, really hard to show me that they're worthwhile. And then hopefully once I buy them, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's easy. It's, it's easy streets from there. But, uh, yeah, that's that's a, a broad outline of the process that I employ when I'm looking for my opportunities. Chris, you said you can talk about equities all day underwater with a mouthful of marbles, which I think is brilliant and investors would love. You're out there in the world talking about what you do regularly. Where can people go to hear more of what you're talking about? Uh, so, so Marcus Today, of course, our website is marcustoday.com.au. I write a section of the newsletter called Technical Trades and also host a monthly webinar where, again, I talk strategies and answer questions for, for our members. Uh, I invite all listeners to, to sign up for a free trial. Again, forgive me a shameless plug, but if you're interested in that's, uh, this sort of stuff, that's where that's where I live. Uh, again, of course, Marcus Padley as well and, and Henry, who I mentioned before. So there's something for everyone. Um, but also outside of that, I do a segment called uh, The Trade on Osbys every second week. I think uh, it's going to be either Tuesdays or Thursdays. Uh, I haven't quite heard back from the producers yet over at Ausbiz, but it will be one of those days every second week. And and again, I share my strategy there. So never shy about sharing my strategy. I'm happy, to, you know, it's, it's not something that I guard religiously. I'm happy to put it out there and, and you know, it will resonate with some people. It won't resonate with others, but I, I'm, I'm happy to share it. Um, but there's the there's the places where you can you can see me, yeah. Chris Conway from Marcus Today, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Gemma. Thank you so much for listening also. As always, we love hearing from you. We've received some fantastic feedback from you guys and we love to get your questions, which is how we come up with topics like today. So please just email us at yourwealth@nab.com.au, and I look forward to speaking to you again soon. I'm Gemma Dale. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Your Wealth with Gemma Dale. To stay up to date, please subscribe to this podcast series or email us at yourwealth at nab.com.au. Please note that any advice provided in this podcast has been prepared without taking into account your objectives, financial circumstances or needs. Before acting, you should consider the appropriateness of the information. To find out more, please visit nab.com.au.